but the smaller the market where they'll actually lend the typically the lower your interest or higher your interest rate's going to be. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello and welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing, man? I'm doing fantastic. How are you doing, Todd? I'm doing well. I'm doing good. Uh, it's uh it's it's actually a Monday today, so even though this will be released on Wednesday, but it's a <coughs> uh, Monday, and uh, we actually had our live mastermind uh, meeting uh, this weekend, and that was good. You were there. Um, I felt like uh, it went pretty well, and it was it was just nice to get everybody together and really be able to spend some time, you know talking about what's going on and I thought it went pretty well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, I learned some good uh, information about syndication and building our real estate businesses, but also had some fun too, throwing axes and such. Yes. <laughs> we threw some axes. That was, uh, that was good. Nobody, nobody cut uh, their head off or a finger or anything. So everybody's still got their, their fingers and toes. That's good. Uh, and then we did a, what was it, what's it called? Like a escape room, escape room. And that was, that was really fun. I, I didn't know like, you know, how fun that would be. That was, I thought it was really fun. Like, <laughs> um, just, just challenge. It was challenging. And it was, um, you know, we had to kind of work together and also separate, but you know, it was, it was pretty fun. So. Good times, good times. So it's good to meet, uh, you know, or, or be able to meet face to face. You know, we had been doing all these virtuals, and that's kind of how the group is set up, anyways. Not COVID, but uh, we haven't had a chance really to get together until now, so it's good. Yep, and I really recommend our listeners if you really want to advance your business career, uh, you know, join a, a mastermind or, or get a coach because that's going to propel you faster than you uh, could on your own. Yeah, you know, and, and the nice thing, my light's going crazy. Matt. I don't know what's going on here. The nice thing about a, uh, uh, you know, like a mastermind is you've got a lot of people to lean on. Um, you've got just, you know, you've got various opinions and, and various experiences and, you know, opportunity to really learn from each other. And, you know, so that's nice. And of course you create relationships, you create that trust and you create potential partnerships, which is, you know, great as well. So, uh, so I, I really obviously think they're fantastic. I mean, I, I, I run them, so I guess there's a reason for that, but I, I think fantastic. I think it's a great way to really, uh, expand on your business. So, um, so Matt, let's, let's, uh, dive into today's topic. Yeah, today we're going to talk about the different kinds of markets. You know, there's primary markets, which are sort of the city center, the main hub of population, secondary markets, which are the surrounding areas, suburbs and such, and then tertiary markets, which are, you know, in the middle of nowhere kind of thing. Yeah, and I wouldn't go as far as middle of okay. nowhere. Like those are, I don't know, I don't even know what their name is. Uh, tertiary probably covers those, but tertiary could be as you know, like a smaller market, like 200,000 people. Uh, 
in the city. That can still be tertiary, you know, typically is tertiary. You know, it's the, the MSA could be, an MSA is the metropolitan service area. So it's your, think of your city plus the suburbs, okay? So, you know, you've got the Twin Cities, you got Minneapolis, St. Paul. Well, Minneapolis has a population of roughly 400,000 people. St. Paul is roughly, I think it's just under 300,000, okay? But so each individually, those are small markets, not, not huge, right? But then when you add in the whole MSA, all the suburbs, we come up with 3.8 million, depending on you know, what statistic you're looking at, but about 3.8 million people. Now, all of a sudden, it becomes a fairly decent size metropolitan area. Um, you know, so, so that's, that's, what the, that's what the MSA is. Well, obviously, when we're looking at smaller markets, typically we have a smaller MSA because we don't have a ton of suburbs around a city that's, you know, 100,000 people typically. Sometimes we do. Um, but, yeah, so, so that's kind of that tertiary market, that smaller market, like you said, the primary market's going to be like your New York City. Um, actually, the Twin Cities is considered a primary market. Uh, Dallas. Um, Austin, Houston, LA, San Francisco, you know, those are the big markets. And then your secondary markets are just a little bit smaller. So you've got, you know, you've got uh, San Antonio, you've got, uh, you know, Cincinnati, and you've got, uh, you know, I don't know, this populations where they're like two, three, Oklahoma City, uh, two, two to three million maybe a million. Uh, and then you've got your, you know, your tertiary. So like a Lexington, Kentucky is tertiary, you know, smaller market. So differences in between and there's good and bad with both of them. Yeah. And I think everybody has their own niche of like what they like. And yep. it just depends on your investment strategy. If you can handle a competition or you want no competition or, or whatnot. Right. Yeah. And so, so we could talk about that a little bit too. I mean, you know, you got a, a big city, really big cities typically are fairly stable. Right. And so that's why they're these primary markets because when they have these massive populations, it's challenging to have these massive, you typically don't have big, you know, sell-offs. Um, however, we are seeing it in some markets. Like New York City right now is having some challenges. They were before COVID, and COVID has kind of sped those challenges up. Now, will New York City bounce back? Well, the lenders would are betting on that it will. Like they they consider it a primary market and it's a primary core market they're going to give you the best rates if you invest in in uh, new york city so they're they're hedging that new york city is going to be strong no matter what and maybe it sees a little bit of downturn right now but they're at least right now they haven't downgraded it so they're saying yeah it's going to stay strong same thing with like the twin cities you know we're a primary market and we're a primary plus market 
lenders see us as a really strong, stable market. So you can actually get a loan in the Twin Cities on a multifamily building with showing only three months, or sorry, one month worth of financials, okay? Where a typical market's three months or more. So Minneapolis is considered such a strong market that we can just show a T1, okay? The trailing one month of financials. And they'll base the loan off of that because it's so strong, they're going to give you the best rates and terms and all that kind of stuff. So that's probably, I think, one of the bigger differences is for the lenders, okay, what are they going to provide you, right? Um, if I'm in a primary market, the lenders are going to give me the lowest interest rates. They're going to be a be able to leverage the highest amount. So when we're talking, we want an 80% LTV and the primary markets are going to be able to do that as long as our debt service coverage ratio still hits. Now that's another trick. A lot of times in these primary markets are more expensive. And so the debt service coverage ratio doesn't hit at 80%. So you got to go to 70 or even 60, but our interest rates are going to be the lowest. So right now we can get interest rates in the upper twos, mid to upper twos and these markets, right? It's going to be just a little bit easier to get a loan. They're going to require less um, reserves. They're going to require, they're going to look at, scrutinize the deal and you a little bit less, okay? But then when we go to secondary market, when we go to a tertiary market, we really start to see that difference. So Secondary market, you might be able to get three, three and a quarter percent. Tertiary market, you're probably going to be at three and a quarter to three and a half percent. So you saw we just went, and maybe even, maybe they won't even lend to it as well. Like if we're in a small market, like you said, like middle of nowhere, your agencies aren't going to lend in the middle local bank to lend there. So your agencies, they're not going to lend if the city is 20,000 people. They're just probably not going to lend to you. Not going to lend if the city has 3,000 people for sure, right? So you eliminate part of your debt source there too. But the smaller the market where they'll actually lend, the typically the lower your interest or higher your interest rate is going to be. And then they're less likely that you're going to get them to go 80%. They're probably going to go 70, maybe 75% too. And they also classify risk markets too. So there might be markets that have a different risk profile, even though they're maybe a secondary market. So like a Detroit, right? Um, city's gone through a lot. Well, it's a secondary market, but it's not graded the same as every secondary market. It's seen as kind of a higher risk, weaker market. It's a rust belt market, right? So you think of your rust belt, Detroit, Cleveland, some of those, you're going to get worse terms uh, in those markets than you would if, even if you're, let's say we're in Cleveland or Detroit and we go to San Antonio, you know, maybe similar size markets, San Antonio is going to get a lot better treatment because it's not in that rust belt, right? Hasn't gone through the negatives that some of those markets have gone through. So you're going to get lower interest rates. You're going to get better loan to value or those you, you just won't. So definitely lending differences for sure. 
Hi, I'm Matt Jones, and if you're like me and you're interested in cash flowing real estate, then you've got to attend the North Star Real Estate Conference this October 22nd through 24th. It's going to be a virtual experience unlike any other. You get to network and meet with the other attendees as well as with the speakers, and we've got some big name speakers as well. There's Brandon Turner from Bigger Pockets, Adam Adams, uh, Trevor McGregor. I mean, the list goes on. Check it out now at nreconference.com. There's also a, a deal flow difference. You know, the primary markets just have a lot more properties, a lot more deals that you can look at, whereas tertiary markets uh, certainly have a lot less and secondary is somewhere in between. You know, in, in a general rule, obviously bigger market means more properties are going on the market. But there's also, uh, I would say, a factor that is kind of, depends on the market too. So certain cities, people fly through properties pretty quickly. It's traditional in certain cities to buy property, renovate it and turn it and only keep it for five years or less maybe even. It's just traditional. Sometimes you don't even renovate it. Sometimes you just buy it, keep it for a few years and then you go on move on to the next one. And so that's just tradition and it, it really allows for a lot more inventory to come on the market. Think like Dallas, Texas. Dallas, Texas has a ton of inventory because people aren't holding on to the properties. They just don't. There's not a lot of legacy holders in Dallas. Well, take, it, take our market, Matt, in Minneapolis, and that is a market of legacy holders. People do not burn through properties. The strategy in the Twin Cities, for the most part, is buy a property, renovate it, rent it, and keep it and pass it down to your kids and then grandkids and then great-grandkids. Like, we don't have an exit strategy, you know, so that's kind of a typical strategy around here. Now, it's changing a little bit but not enough, I don't think, to make a massive dent in the amount of inventory. So even though we're a bigger market, not massive market, but bigger market, our inventory is smaller than a lot of markets that are even, a, you know, like an eighth of our size. We don't sell a lot of 100 plus unit buildings. We don't sell a lot of apartment buildings, period, just because of 87%, the last statistic I heard, of our properties are owned by local owners and they've likely been held for, for decades. Yeah, so there is that, that difference. I heard that in 2019, only about 20 uh, large multifamily properties in the Twin Cities traded hands. That's it. For yeah. the whole year. For the whole, for the whole year last year. And I, I, I don't even know if it was quite that high, but you know, that's equivalent to Lexington, Kentucky, where I also invest. Lexington, Kentucky has an MSA of 500,000 people compared to 3.8. You know, they sell the same amount of properties in Kentucky, Lexington, than they do in the Twin Cities in a market that's just a, a tiny bit, compared, like a tiny compared to the Twin Cities. You know, so that just shows you how we like to keep our properties in quite frankly, doesn't burn through their properties as quickly as other markets do too. So, um, so that, that does make a difference, but for the most part, what you said before, 
inventory is going to be less in a tertiary market than it is in a primary market for the most part, right? That's your kind of general rule. So de definitely you're right there. Cool. And there's also, you know, like I mentioned before, more competition, more people are trying to invest in the primary markets. So you'll have more competition. You got to be more on the ball with, uh, you know, uh, making offers on deals. Um, but or am I it's wrong? Well, I don't think you're necessarily wrong, Matt. I, it, you're, you're right as far as sheer numbers go. But is it, is it right for the deal flow, right? So when we, I look at how much deal flow I have in a smaller market versus my competition, it might be a ratio that's similar. I don't know. I, I guess that's, that's interesting. Um, I think it would have more to do with what we just talked about before, where you've got that market like Dallas and Dallas has a ton of competition too. So, but let's just use a, you know, you get your typical market that sells a good amount of buildings a year, you know, and that could be a, a secondary market or a primary market. If they sell, if they're burning through a lot of properties, you're going to have an opportunity, right? You're going to have less competition because there's so many properties. Or if you got a market like the Twin Cities, even though we're a, we don't burn through properties just because there's no listings ever. So there's so much competition here. It's in, I should say possible, but it's very difficult to find a good property here um, that's not selling for crazy prices because there's just no inventory and there's so many, so much pent up demand. So I think it depends on the market a bit. I'm not sure if the answer is versus the size of the, of the amount of inventory per population. So, you know, <clears throat> yeah. the, um, you know, you've got several, uh, advantages and disadvantages of each market. I don't know if you want to start off on, on some of the advantages or disadvantages as far as like, I, I guess just why you would want to be in a tertiary or why you'd want to be in a primary or secondary. Uh, you know, I think I base my decision on where to invest more on, you know, bigger statistics, uh, and I suppose that might be a situation there, like crime, for example, if you have a large city center, there's probably going to be more crime than a, a tertiary market. And that's certainly a factor that you want to take into consider is, is crime reducing or is it increasing or staying about the same. And so that could be that there could be that variance between, uh, you know, like a large city center could have decreasing crime, whereas the tertiary could be staying the same or, or not decreasing as much. And, you, and so then you might want the primary market just because the crime is decreasing, but that's more or a relation to the, the crime versus, you know, the size of the market. And so I guess that pays my decision um, more on yeah, those stats. Definitely. So you're basing them on, on the economic stats and the, yeah. the political stats and the, mm -hmm. you know, just kind of what's going on in the market. And I, th I agree with you. I mean, that's, that's probably the most important that we're basing our decision on the market based on more of 
the jobs that are coming in, the economy, what's going on there, the afford the rent affordability, the the political environment, and, and what they're doing, good or bad, with the city, with with landlords, quite frankly. Um, so that that's those are definitely important. One thing that you got to look at too, though, is you can have the best market in, in, that you think in the world that if it's got too small of a population, we do have some disadvantages and some of the disadvantages, and we do have some advantages too, but some of the disadvantages are going to be finding contractors and finding property management companies and finding lenders for our buildings is going to be a lot more challenging. So that network just becomes a lot smaller if we have a smaller market. Now, if it's big market, that increases the uh, amount of availability. So I mentioned Lexington, Kentucky, and I'll speak to that again because I know it. Uh, it's a fairly small uh, MSA. It's got a few property management companies within Lexington, but the nice thing is you've got Louisville and you've got Cincinnati both an hour away from Lexington that allows management companies to come into that market. You've got also Nashville that's only three hours away. You've got Columbus that's only a couple hours away. So you've got cities that are a few hours away that can put their management companies into Lexington because they're close enough. Um, so that's that works well, but if we're in a market that's especially kind of by itself or only surrounded by smaller markets, then it becomes challenging to have find enough property management and you can find good contractors. Um, you know, a lot easier in a big market. Of course, your prices are typically going to be cheaper, right? So your, your contractors aren't going to charge you as much typically in these smaller markets. But if you have to fire them, can you find the next person, right? Can you find somebody else to do it for you? We're in a, in a big primary market. It might be more expensive, but man, I, I can, there, there's so many companies out there to do the work. There's just, there's, there's a lot to choose from. Same thing with property management companies. There's a lot to choose from. So we have options. Yeah, I, I think that's completely fair. And I wouldn't say that would be necessarily be the deciding factor, but it's certainly uh, something to take into consideration of like, oh, you might have a pain in the butt to deal with if you don't have options uh, to choose from. So the, um, let's talk about today's trends. You know, today's trends are pointing towards secondary and tertiary markets. Right, so today's trends, kind of what's going on is people are leaving some of these really big cities like New York, like Chicago, like LA. They're leaving these big metropolises and they're wanting to live in not small towns, right? Not little tiny towns, but they're wanting to live in smaller towns. So they're gonna go from New York and going to move into, they might move to like a Jacksonville, Florida. They might move to, uh, you know, a, a Lexington, Kentucky, although pretty small, right? But the, they might move into a smaller city, not a tiny town, not a town of 30,000 people or less, but a little bit of different type of environment. So I think that's a, that's a trend right now. Now, whether that's long-term or short-term, 
yet to be determined, right? But it's truly is happening. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with you. I, I don't know what's, I guess we get over this big hurdle with COVID, uh, if that'll sort of right. reverse itself or stabilize or whatnot. Yeah, hard to say. Like, is life just going to go completely back to normal? Is it, uh, you know, is it is this long term, long lasting? I, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm torn. I say, I can see both actually, and you know, we don't, we don't know yet. But the short term trend is definitely, definitely towards secondary and tertiary markets are much more favorable um, for people to invest in. The thing I, I would say, if you're going to invest in a, a let's call it a, mall, a really small tertiary market, right? So 50,000 people, 100,000 people or smaller even, they really, in my opinion, should be closer to your backyard um, for you to invest in those small cities. And, and you need to have local relationships with lenders. Uh, otherwise, it's just going to be in kind of impossible to do that. The biggest risk with these small towns is what's the, and this goes back to your criteria, right? We want to have the right criteria. So what's the, what's the industry like, you know, what are the jobs like and what's driving that? So if I've got a, an economy, that's like what, the one factory town. And if that factory goes out of business, that town is a ghost town. Well, that's a terrible city to invest in, unless you own the factory, I guess. But man, that, that's that's a high risk city, so you better be getting properties for a really good price because that's that's very high risk. And I looked at investing in North Dakota with the oil uh, that's going on in, in North Dakota. Well, you know, we're investing in these towns. And I never invested into it, but you're investing in these towns that, you know, basically are nothing. And you're putting up a, you know, 150 unit hotel that can be converted into apartment as the town grows. But you're hoping that the town actually grows because if the oil industry gets walloped, well, then guess what? No, nobody needs to live there. Nobody wants to live there. There's nothing to do there. It's not like it's this beautiful city. It's a rural city that had a population of 2,000 people up until, you know, two years ago. And there's a, probably a reason for it. It's cold and it's snowy and it's windy and there's just not big urban core around it. So that's what's going to happen. And that's exactly what happened, right? The oil industry's got smacked around pretty good. Um, a few times, a few different times over the last 10 years. And, uh, and it's, you know, showing the scars and, and the areas seen definitely some trouble. Uh, and that's, that's what you risk, right? That's what you risk going into these small tertiary markets, especially the tiny ones that are controlled by an industry. Exactly. That, that job diversity is huge, you know, having like different top employers from different sort of industries. So even if one crashes, that you're still going to be able to yeah. absorb uh, things to keep things going. Yeah. And, and also understanding what they are like, you know, what are your top uh, employers and how stable are they? How long have they been in the city? 
what have they invested in the city? You know, what's their headquarters look like? It's a big move for a company that's got a massive headquarters and a massive uh, employer base in one city to move to another one. What are the tax incentives? You know, have they threatened? Have they been threatening to move? If if you've got a company that's been threatening to move and they haven't made the move, well, you you probably want to really highly consider that as you're looking at investing in an area that look they've th- they've threatened over the last five years to move. Um, there's there's probably there's probably a reason for that. You know, they're not content there, so there is a chance that they're going to move. And if if they move, what does that do to the city? You know, so you got to look at that. Yep, exactly. Um, so anyways, uh, I like the kind of secondary markets myself, Matt. Uh, I like the secondary or larger tertiary markets that provide you an opportunity to not have these super saturated markets with cap rates that are driven down as far as possible. And yeah, they, they, they have a little bit less lending to, uh, favorability, but still good. Those are the markets that I'd like. Uh, opportunity for, I think, feel like continual growth. Um, that, that's what I like to see in, in my market. Yep. That's always a plus. So cool, man. Uh, anything, anything else you want to add? No, I think that's about it. All right. Well, Matt, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day Saturday, man. Yeah. Thanks. You too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. But your rating and review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and and want this. So uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So go on to VentureDProperties.com, VentureDProperties.com and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free. I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out, and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.